We're going to read from Jeremiah 42. We're going to read all the way down then to Jeremiah 43 and verse 7 of the next chapter. And thinking about what does it mean to seek God? What does it truly mean to seek God? Here we have a very dark period in Judah's history. And it is a time when they have faced many lows and woes. This is after the temple has been destroyed. This is after the royal seed has been removed. Zedekiah has been brought away and the Babylonians have even killed his sons right in front of his eyes. And he remains in prison. Gedaliah then who took over after him. He was murdered by Ishmael who claimed he would follow and be faithful to Gedaliah. It's a very, very low and dark period in Judah's history. And we wonder at this point as we read through this text, will they at last see their need to seek God? And that's what we're going to look at here this evening by God's grace. Jeremiah chapter 42, let us hear God's word. Then all of the commanders of the forces, and Johanan the son of Korea, and Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest, came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let our plea for mercy come before you, and pray to the Lord your God for us. For all this remnant, because we are left with but are a few. And as your eyes see us, that the Lord your God may show us the way we should go and the thing that we should do. Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your request. And whatever the Lord answers, you will, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word which the Lord your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. At the end of the ten days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, then he summoned Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent for the, of the disaster that I did to you. Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not fear him, declares the Lord, for I am with you, to save you and to deliver you from his hand. I will grant you mercy that you may have mercy that I may have, that he may have mercy on you, and let you remain in your own land. But if you say, We will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God and saying, No, we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall not see war, or hear the sound of the trumpet, or be hungry for bread, and we will dwell there. 
Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you set your faces to enter Egypt and go to live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt. And there you shall die. All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live, there shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my wrath were poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you when you go to Egypt. You shall become an execration, a horror, a curse, and a taunt. You shall see this place no more. The Lord has said to you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know for a certainty that I have warned you this day that you have gone astray at the cost of your lives. For you sent me To the Lord your God, saying, pray for us. To the Lord our God, and whatever the Lord our God says, declare to us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God in anything that he sent me to tell you. Now, therefore, know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go to live. When Jeremiah finished speaking to all the people, all these words of the Lord their God, with with which the Lord their God had sent him to them, Azariah the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the insolent men said to Jeremiah, You are telling a lie. The Lord our God did not send Did not send you to say, do not go to Egypt to live there. But Barak, the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans. That they may kill us or take us into exile in Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces and all the people did not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to live in the land of Judah from all the nations to which they had been driven. The men, the women, the children, the princesses, and every person whom Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. Son of Shephan, also Jeremiah the prophet, and Barak the son of Neriah, they came into the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And they arrived at Taphanes. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. So our text for this evening will be on that section of God's holy And in fallible word in Jeremiah chapter 42, all the way down to Jeremiah 43, verse 7. And we'll be looking at it under the title of Come 
to the table seeking God. Come to the table seeking God. As we are preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table is coming Sabbath. We're going to read first the terms of membership of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland. And these are the four things we must, we must agree with before we should even contemplate or think about coming to the Lord's table. Number one, I accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as the word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Number two, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only Redeemer of men, supreme in church and state, and in dependence on divine grace, I take him as my Savior and Lord. Number three, I promise by divine grace to show a teachable and submissive spirit to the teaching of Holy Scripture as set forth in the testimony of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland. And four, I promise that by the help of the Holy Spirit, I will endeavor to live a life consistent with my profession. Now we read those things as we think about coming to the table of the Lord and how we are to be a people who seeks after God. Next Sabbath, we're going to be looking at how we come to the table by faith. But as we look at the terms of membership, we should also realize we're not speaking of perfect people. Otherwise, I or none of us would have any business coming before the table of the Lord. We are to be people who seek God, to love God, and to seek more of God. But of course, none of us have arrived at that state of perfection. Not until we're in heaven. And we, while we're here in this earth, we seek our God. We seek more of our God. For that's what heaven is, dear friends. Heaven is where God dwells. We will enjoy Him forever in His fullness. And just thinking about the terms of membership, we have to realize without believing that the Scriptures are the Word of God, without believing that Jesus is the only Savior, without a teachable spirit, without a consistent faith, and I say consistent, not perfect, but consistent fruit of what we profess, if those things are not true of you, dear friends, the table is not for you. But if you are seeking after God, then my, my dear friend, come. Come to the table. But you might be asking now, what does it look like? What, do, what does it look like to be seeking God? I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, talk is cheap. Well, if our profession and our acts are different, talk is certainly cheap, but sadly lies are costly. It is easy and costly to come to the table without a realization of what is so important 
We can treat it like a ritual. I remember the first few times as a new believer in Jesus Christ. Casually at myself I would come to the Lord's table. Not really thinking about how important it is to examine ourselves and to see if we be in the faith. Or what any of these things meant. And then I went to the opposite extreme thinking, I'm not a good enough Christian yet to even partake of the Lord's table. These are, neither of these are good extremes. But we must be people who seek God. In our text that we just read there from God's word, we see a negative example of what it can look like to be outwardly seeking God. At least externally. But there's a, a hypocrisy there. At this stage in Judah's history, in the text that we look at, there's after a series of lows, one after another it seems. Jeremiah 42 is after the fall of Jerusalem and its temple. The removal of the royal line of David and all the heartbreak that is read in the book of Lamentations. Even after Gedaliah is put in place, he's put in place there, he is brutally killed in Jeremiah 42. And after they've seen all this, after they've seen all that their sin produces, surely at this point they'll be willing to listen to God. You would think. Surely now is the time for them to listen and to seek after their God and live. Surely now, my dear friends, for us, it's also our time to seek our God, prepare our hearts to feed on him spiritually and live. We're going to look at this text now this evening on the four headings. And the first heading is this. Come to the table asking God's will. Come to the table Asking God's will. Verses 1 to 4 reads as follows. Now all the captains of the forces. Johan the son of Korea. Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah. And all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet. So they come before him. They come before Jeremiah. They're asking and they say this. Please let our petition be acceptable to you. Starts off very respectfully and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant. There's not many of them left. And they seek, it seems, outwardly to know the Lord's will. Jeremiah responds in verse 4, Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words. So at least externally, things look good here. It is clear that it looks like it is a good thing, at least externally. We don't know men's hearts, but God does. In seeking God, we must be about seeking God's will. We must be about asking God what we should do. Petitioning Him. We will find out later that this is not the most sincere petition. But this is what we ought to be doing. What should I do in these different situations in my life? Last Sabbath morning we were looking at our text in Ezra chapter 8. And we looked at how Ezra and the people of God stopped. They fasted and they prayed to see if what they were doing was according to God's will. 
They weren't doing it casually. They wanted to make sure that this was pleasing before God. To make sure he was doing what was right. To not be casual. We might be impressed if we just read Jeremiah 42 verses 1 to 4. And if we read nothing else, we would probably be very, very impressed with their attitude, wouldn't we? We would think, wow, these are, this is great. This is great. We would think that they were undoubtedly seeking God's will. And yes, we should follow their example except for where their heart was. People in our day love to petition government, which I think is great if it prioritizes the spiritual health of our nation. However, the most important government to petition is the one of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That we would be constantly seeking God's will. We must learn from God and so we are dependent on him. One of the reasons, my dear friends, I fear that we can run out of things to pray. And I'm almost saying this to myself this evening. Is that we almost, before we ask the Lord's will and things, we almost know, we, 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 we know what we want to hear. We, we think we know the answer already. So probably our prayers are not a sh- as long as they should be. And it's not that length is the most important thing. But we have. We kind of go half hearted. Because we almost think. Well I know the answer. I'm going to pray about this. But we're not saying. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. We want heaven to confirm. What we want. And not truly asking for God's will. Because we would be at times afraid. That it will be something different. Something that we have decided upon. And what happens when we stop asking God's will? Whose will and whose desire is in charge? And we have to ask ourselves, as soon as we stop doing this, as soon as we stop petitioning God, our will will take over. And people should be petitioning God. And here's some examples, but we should always be petitioning God. Before people get married... Praying to God, is this the right person in your eyes? Oh God. Do you ask God's will before going to college? The right job for you? Of course we must do so electing elders and electing deacons and making financial decisions. But sometimes when we stop praying before God, there can be different reasons. It can be, well, I know better. We would never say it out loud. But we can often develop, well, we know the right answer. And we're really going to God just to, and I say this reverently, to almost nod away our decisions. We must go to God with, true, with a true attitude that says whatever he asks us to do, whether we like it or not, we obey. We obey. Recently in our denomination and in Scotland, there's been a number of men who've been called. And what should those men do? They should pray about it. It's a very, very important decision to make. It is not just something where, oh, I want to go there. 
No. Does God, does God want you to go there? Even Jesus prayed like this in Luke 22 verse 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If the sinless, spotless Lamb of God prayed this on earth, how much more should we? As we come and prepare ourselves to come into his presence. As Christ is set before us in the word of God. Christ has set before us his revealed will. We're petitioning, what is your will, O God? And Christ is set before us and will be set before us in the sacrament, in the bread and the cup this coming Sabbath day but by God's grace. Setting before us his will. And what is his will? To feed you. To sustain you. To build you up. To give you the strength that is needed to continue along the road. That you will be satisfied in him. Number two now, we're going to look at how we should come to the table obeying God's will. So we come to the table asking God's will. Come to the table, number two now, obeying God's will. Verses five and six. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be, let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing. Notice how they're saying here. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing. We will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you. That it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord. Of the Lord our God. Whatever it is. Whether we, we want to do it or not. This is what they're saying. We'll do it. Again if you just looked at the first six verses. It looks very impressive. It begins very well. Alone. We might not think that there's a problem. There was a certain extent, probably through providence, they'd learned to listen to God. They came before Jeremiah. They had some sense of, look at all the catastrophe that is around us. Look at the disaster one after another. And they're fearful. Gedaliah has just been killed. And Nebuchadnezzar does not play games. And the Babylonians growing tired of those in Judah. Although they came hypocritically. They promised to obey. And yes, this should be our attitude. No matter what the Lord commands us to do. Whether we like it or not. We go and we do it. Without this attitude, there is no seeking God. Without this attitude, there is no seeking God. Now, what was the situation they were dealing with? A situation of great fear. And no doubt they wanted to hear from them, send us into Egypt so we can get out of here. And they were probably expecting Jeremiah to tell them to do that. But 
before we get to that answer, what does obeying God speak of? Because we must come before the table of God obeying him. None of us do it perfectly, of course. But it speaks of righteousness. It speaks of our character and it speaks of our love toward God. Yes, that is all imperfect, this side of eternity. But it does speak to that. If we love God, we will obey Christ. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. And the command here in verse 10 of this chapter, stay in this land. If you will still remain in this land, verse 10, then I will build you up and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. And you have to remember, everything is going wrong around them. Everything. And he's telling them something counterintuitive. They want to run. They want to get out of there as quickly as possible. And they want God's blessing in doing that. Don't run. Stay with God. He will protect you. He will keep you safe. He will build you up. Here's where he wants you. Only Christ, of course, has kept the law perfectly. And as we come thinking about how we're to come before the table obeying, we must also think about the perfect obedience of Christ, which is ours by faith. And the more we grow in sanctification, the more we grow and become more and more like him, we will be more and more obedient. What does it say in in Psalm 1 verse 1? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 119 verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And if you look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 119, there are two groups of people. Those who walk in the law of the Lord and those who do not. Those who are blessed and those who are not. Those who are seeking God, those who are obeying God, those who have good fruit in their lives. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. John 15, 5. For the seeker, this desire is to obey. To be more like the perfect obedience that Christ demonstrated. And to come sincerely, not like the example we have here, but to come sincerely before the table of the Lord. Because without this desire to obey in all areas, they were not truly seeking God. Number three, come to the table trusting God's will. Trusting God's will. So we've looked at asking, obeying, now we're trusting God's will. So we've asked, what does obeying say? What does disobeying say? Verse 15 of 
Chapter 42. Then hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And you see it kind of coming out, don't you? The warning here. And we find out in verse 20, they were hypocritical. And we find out in the next chapter, they had no intention. They had no intention of going and are staying in the land. This is not what they wanted there. We will not suffer. Staying here, this is a bad idea. Ishmael, one of the royal seed, has just killed Gedaliah. Did you see what they did to Zedekiah? That's what they'll probably be saying. One of the last things Zedekiah saw before his eyes were removed was his sons being killed before him. They were terrified. And humanly speaking, they had every reason to be. But God was saying, stay. God was saying, stay. It just didn't sound right. It didn't sound right to their ears. And that's what man's wisdom does. It just doesn't fit right. Verse 2 of chapter 43. That Azariah, the son of Hosea, Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the, the proud men spoke, saying to, to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. And they have had so many reasons to realize Jeremiah was speaking as God's chosen channel of divine truth. He'd been there so long, and time after time, Judah doesn't listen, and time after time, there's judgment after judgment. Not trusting God, but what they were really trusting in was a God of their own imagination. They wanted a God who would bow to their wishes, who would bow to their desires, and to tell them to do whatever they wanted to do. And so, it doesn't line up with what they think is wise or good. We don't like that answer. That answer is not good. That can't be from God. You'll see it in the world. Oh my God is a God of love. That can't be. But sadly friends, many who say that are not following the true God of scripture. Obeying superficially can be at times. I say superficially. It can be. We like the answer. Oh yeah. I like some of that. But what about when we're told to do something we don't like? God tests us. Doesn't he? He tests us. Can, can you remember back to Genesis chapter 22? Abraham and his great test of faith. Sacrifice your son, your only son Isaac. Could you imagine being told your only child you were supposed to kill? But Abraham trusted God and he trusted his promise. Human reason will say, no way. Forget that. 
and would not obey as Abraham did. God's will was, stay and I will show you mercy. Stay and you will find safety with me. Don't fear the Babylonians. Fear me. God is more powerful than anything else that may cause you harm. What has happened with previous experience has told them the most fearful thing is the Babylonians. That's what they thought the lesson was. Oh, we got to fear the Babylonians, not the Assyrians. They completely missed the point. No, no, these are the ones we got to be afraid of. They didn't like the answer. So they didn't stay. We must trust God. And this is where our trust of God will come out. When we see a part of the word of God or whatever it is. And we, we, we pray over it. We meditate upon it. And it doesn't seem to make sense to us yet. But it's clearly saying that. I'll give you one example. Years ago, I was saved three months. And I remember the, converse, the conversation turned around to homosexual topics. And I remember not having a clue. New believer, not having a clue what to say to the person. And I thought, God can't be against that, can he? And I remember going home, and I think I spent the entire evening just looking at all the Bible verses. And I was like... It doesn't make sense to me, but it's pretty clear. We can't go with our reason. We must trust God. And God has good, holy, and righteous reasons to tell you to do what he's telling you to do. And when God's will is saying one thing, and another authority is saying something else, we obey God. We come, we must come before the table of the Lord, trusting in his will. And then finally, number four, come to the table, fearing God's will. Come to the table, fearing God's will. Verse 18, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. As my anger and my fury has been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. And if you look at these next few verses, there's two threats. There's two things being placed in front of them. Two things to be afraid of. One from God. If they enter into Egypt, here's the consequences. The fury of God. But there's also another one. Another fear. A fear of the Babylonians and a fear of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19, the Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. No, certainly that I have admonished you this day, for you are hypocrites in your hearts. And this is the problem. They were saying that they were willing to obey, but they weren't really fearing God. Which did they fear more? Did they fear the Babylonians more or did they fear God more? 
And it was a real test to see, who do you fear? And God sends us tests and asks you the question, who do you fear? And he'll show you in your life who you fear. It will determine their attitude to Jeremiah's message because they didn't like the message. So they said, no, this can't be from God. Fear of calamity and personal hurt, they're hiding in Egypt. But fear of God, they are staying. Humanly speaking, it doesn't make sense. Humanly speaking, they have every reason to run. We may fool other men with our hearts. But we can't fool God. Someone who seeks God comes fearing God above all else. No, we will not do it perfectly. But we will fear God above all else. The fear of the Lord, it says in in Proverbs 1.7, is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Without the fear of the Lord, you are not a believer. You'll see it throughout the scriptures. And it's compared to... You have the wise in the Lord, but then you have the foolish. Then you have those who are blinded by the God of this world. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who fear him. On those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Psalm 33 verses 18 and 19. To come to the table of the Lord, one must be fearing his will, trembling before his will. It's got to be a sense of, yes, we have been delivered from the wrath to come. And we do not fear hell, which is the wrath of God. However, at the same time, we should always come trembling before him, realizing the great distance between us, but dust, and him, the creator of heaven and earth. We must not come as Nadab and Abihu, casual in their worship before Almighty God. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 to 3, we're told they come before the Lord with strange fire. They come before God with something that they have invented, something not commanded by God. And so the Lord killed them. Reminding them. That he must be feared. We must come before the Lord's table. With an awe and a wonder. Or we will forget the awesomeness and glorious power of God. The one we fear is the one we obey. The one we fear is the one we obey. And the problem in Jeremiah's day, they didn't fear God. They still didn't fear God. They had every reason to fear God. No, they feared their circumstances. Oh, my dear friends, isn't this the problem today? We have every single sign, you can say, or whatever you want to call it, That God's wrath is upon many a nation today. And the world fears everything but God. 
Whatever providence may or may not be saying, it is surely saying this. Oh, repent before it is too late. Remember, dear friends, as I say all these things, the Lord's table is not for someone who is perfect. If you think you're perfect here this evening, don't come to the table of the Lord. You are coming for strength. You are coming for sustenance. You feel weak. You feel... The more you look at the law of God, the more you feel like a failure. Yes, we all are. Come and be strengthened by God. Come and be strengthened by Christ. It is for sinners. It is for weak, feeble sinners of a great... And of those who are trusting in a great and mighty God. None of us are perfect. But we are saved by grace. And that grace changes us. It changes us that we come, dear friends. If we are truly believers in Jesus Christ. We come asking of his will. We come obeying his will. We come trusting his will. We come fearing his will. And when we fall short. We seek him for the strength to grow and be built up in him. Be built up in him this coming Sabbath in Christ Jesus. Amen.